0: Welcome back everyone to the Enlighten with Alex podcast. Today, my guest is my girlfriend, Cassie Aurora. She is an holistic coach, an astrologer, Reiki master, singer. The list is probably a bit longer. She's a show off. Uh, So yeah, if you'd like to say hello, Cass. Hello. Thanks for having me on your podcast.
1: Here in my bedroom where we
0: are recording. Very exciting. Very exciting indeed. So we have actually got some exciting news that we're going to share at the start before we get into things. Uh, So Cassie is actually pregnant. And we've recorded this two weeks before we're sending it out. And so obviously, yeah, really exciting news. I'm going to talk a little bit about... Um, how Cassie's finding the pregnancy, what we're excited about, and what we're nervous about, and whatnot. So yeah, how do you feel about it all?
1: <laughs> well, I'm so happy. It wasn't planned, by the way, and I'd we I'd been working on my health, hadn't I? Because I was diagnosed with like, Hashimoto, so my thyroid was like really underactive, my, and my like menstrual cycle was a mess. So a lot of women have trouble with them menstrual cycle these days um but yeah so i kind of we weren't really expecting it and anyway (laughs) um but we did see it in our astrology to be fair you did yeah right i I saw it and just ignored it um but somehow it's happened i feel good but like alex bases had to put up with me being sick and tired For like 14 weeks, or however long it's been now, literally. And (laughs) I've probably not been very easy because I've been so sickly. But it is actually really horrible being this sick all the time. And I think the biggest challenge is everyone's like, oh, especially in the spiritual world, like you need to connect with the baby and. You need to look after yourself, and it's just like it's really hard to connect with the baby when you can't feel it. You just feel like crap all the time. So that's been the main challenge: trying to be like grateful when you actually feel like really ill. Basically, that's it. <laughs> I'm buzzing.
0: So yeah, we weren't expecting it, but um, the universe has decided. So that's how it is. And um, we have got a photo actually. Was this the 12 week scan? Was it?
1: Yeah.
0: Go on then. Show it to the camera. So I'll, I'll do the pointing out. So we've got the top of the head here, the little nose there, mm-hmm. mouth, and you can see the spine running across the bottom there. Very cute indeed. So yeah, we're not sure of the gender yet, but by the time this comes out, we'll know the gender. You know,
1: Alex wants a boy. Uh, I want whatever Alex wants, but girls' clothes are better.
0: I love them all the same, but yeah. Slight preference for a boy, if I'm honest.
1: <laughs> true.
0: This is going to age really badly now, if the kid watches it back and it's a girl. <laughs> you weren't meant to say that.
1: <laughs> well, it was a mistake. Oh, well. And we wanted a boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did you say?
1: But the fact that, like, if, this kid, if our kid ever watches it back, and we're like, well... It wasn't planned, and uh, really, Alex <laughs> wants a boy. So, gonna listen.
0: <laughs> if, the, if my future child is watching this back and he's traumatized, your mom is gonna pay for your counselling,
1: not me. <laughs> <laughs> that mm. is for sure. Well, I've cool. got a question. What's what's your goal as a as a dad?
0: As a dad, well, a lot of my kind of development over the last few years has been towards being the best man I can be um which also ties in with moving towards an age of being a dad to being the best dad I can be uh whatever that means so yeah keep working on myself spiritually mentally physically um I think in doing that can be the the best role model possible for the kids. how about yourself
1: well my goal as a dad Um, (laughs)
0: uh, Grow a dick first
1: (laughs) A big slong dong Um, Is to bring up the least Messed up, fragmented kid So like To like damage it the least Because inevitably Any kid is going to be born And start having splits in consciousness And that's when all the shame starts But my aim is to Try my very best To bring the most whole happy loved child because I never really felt like that's not that's a lie there were times when I felt loved but I was very fearful as a child and I, I'm like very was very messed up from my childhood so that's my goal
0: see so, yeah, I think it's going to be a very healing experience for both of us in a way because Cassie lost a mom a very young age she was only 15 and uh, I lost my dad about f- three and a half years ago, which started my spiritual journey, the kind of pain of that. So I think it's, uh, yeah, it's very exciting for both of our families as well, because there were tragic losses, and my dad and Cassie's mom, beautiful people. So yeah, be good to hear your kind of backstory and how you got to where you are today.
1: My backstory? I
0: find her very inspiring, by the way so excited for this.
1: He's probably going to cry. <laughs> <Lay on there. laughs>
0: You'll cry. She, she's the crier. 100%. I'll
1: cry loads, right. Okay, so we watched the other night, I'm not even joking, this film Eyes Wide Shut, Alex put a post about it, didn't you, in the decoding group, which is like his private group for everyone that did the decoding course, which anyone can join, by the way. I'm um, just asking. But we watched Eyes Wide Shut and, like, is literally, I'm um, the most sensitive human, and I think he never knows when something's going to make me cry. Like, every time I go to the hospital, I cry. If I go to the supermarket and have a bad experience, I cry. And it's not like I get deeply affected. I just let my emotions flow. But we were watching Eyes Wide Shut, which no one would say is a film. I don't think anyone would say you would cry at that film. And 20 minutes in, he had to turn it off because I was, like, sobbing because I couldn't deal with the fact that this man was, like, cheating on his wife and that they were so messed up. But then I psyched myself up and watched the rest. And I didn't cry the whole time. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, so my story, I'll try and keep it brief. Um, But the reason, like, I ended up becoming, like, a coach, like, well, I do more integrative coaching, but I'm training now in holistic integrative therapy. It's weird, because we're not looking at each other. I don't know where to look. Or look in the eyes of the camera. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Well, anyway. (laughs) um, Yeah, so the type of therapy I do is like root cause. So it's like the moment you're born, you're born whole, but then you have loads of these splits in consciousness and trauma, like shame from our parents. Even if it's unsaid, like a lot of it's unsaid. But our parents, and this isn't about blame, it's just, I believe... are doing the best they can but we take on their patterns we unconsciously run their patterns within us because it's all all we're role modeled so like growing up I kind of grew up with a mum who like tried her best like my dad was having an affair when I was born and he was he left very shortly after I was born so I didn't really my dad like wasn't around really I would see him every now and then but he was like he's he's just a very complex man but I, I love him to bits now like we have made up obviously as I've grown up and accepted who he is and like his journey but like my mum was um a real party goer she was all there were like our house was very chaotic she was a lovely woman a lover of life but a lover of alcohol and she's very actually inwardly quite down so anyway I grew up with my mum who was kind of like um, a functioning alcoholic, you would say, um, in the sense that a lot of people wouldn't see it. But when I looked back and went to therapy, I realized everything was very abnormal. And there were certain situations growing up where there was a lot of unsafety. And so I just grew up like a really fearful child. And like by the time I was 11, because I dealt with like my mom, she had loads of like body hate. By the time I was about 11, I got very sick with um, anorexia. And that was when I stopped eating. And that was when, like, I basically fell into, like, probably a 15-, 16-year eating disorder. Um, but it got really bad when I was 15. My mum passed away. And this whole time I was meant to be, like, training to be a musician. And when she died, like, I was like, it's musical prodigy and it all went down the pan. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't really do any of that anymore. Because I was, yeah, I was like, I don't know, I don't know, like when you when your parent dies and they're like driving a lot of your behaviours, I think you lose your head a bit. So anyway, that was bad. And then my stepdad really couldn't handle it when she passed away. Um, and it was quite a bad few years. He's like quite an abusive man. So it was a very difficult time. I don't really remember much from that time other than being in my eating disorder and just trying to, like, survive. I don't remember much. But to make a long story short, I fell into, like, fitness and turned completely away from music, which is all part of my eating disorder. And I got very, very sick and basically nearly died when I was 21. So what's that, and. 12
0: 2011
1: yeah something like that yeah so that's like nine years ago um I was very severely ill and was hospitalized for my eating disorder and um I kind of then went through this whole time where I was in and out of fitness but this one day this I was on I was working out in Tenerife and I was teaching yoga and this man came up to me like floaty white trousers and a floaty white top And he was like, you need healing. I was just like, who is this freak?
0: wasn't me, by the way.
1: No, it wasn't Alex because if he'd have offered me healing, I would have been like, oh, yes, you can give me healing. (laughs) But no, um, he and I just agreed because something in me said yes and I had this Reiki treatment on the beach at sunset with this random stranger. And, like, from that moment on, nothing was the same. And I remember that was a moment I was like, everything I think I know, because I was like, very ignorant and very asleep. Is like, I don't know anything. And so that was when I went on my Reiki path. And I, I kind of swung into like the spiritual ego and was like very new ageing into Reiki, but not dealing with any of my trauma. Uh, fell into like very hardcore veganism and any kind of extreme spiritual thing I could get my hands on, I would do it. Um, but my trauma just kept catching up with me and I got very sick. My digestion was horrendous. I um, just had a lot of issues and every relationship I had was awful. It was very lonely. Um, it was very bad. So I eventually decided that <laughs> I needed to get help. So I went to Reach Approach who saved my life. So I found this amazing therapist. And so then yeah from that point on my journey really started and the more I worked on my deep 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 stuff from childhood what I'd experienced that I never thought was an issue for me and worked on all of the things that were in me the more I realized I was literally attracting all the wrong things in life and so my path to being more abundant literally attracting Alex (laughs) who is just the best human ever Um, really who is like the man of my dreams and being able to be fertile get my health back really all of those things were down to the process that I learned in, in therapy and that's the process now that I do with with clients and I'm training to be like a full psychotherapist in that process so I don't really know I feel like I've like given you the cliff notes It was awful. I was definitely a shell of a person. And then I just turned it around. But all it was was inner work. I didn't... Okay, along the way, I found astrology. But I don't think, like, astrology is enough to help you transform your life. Although it's really good. But, yeah, it's not... It's not, like, the thing that will help you change. And I think the biggest thing I learned was it doesn't matter who you are or what circumstance you're in you can change your reality in the circumstances because a lot of the people in my family or who I grew up with are pretty much in the same patterns and many people you probably know who you grew up with or they're kind of repeating the same thing over and over again. It's very rare that people break the cycle. So I think that's what I learned, that anyone can step into their best self. They just need the tools, you know. I think that's it imagine my, my story
0: <laughs> thank you very much for sharing and uh, and being so open <clears throat> so obviously you've had a lot of trauma a lot of real low points in your life a few rock bottoms along the way and you've come back and now you know like you said you've got me which you sound happy about which is nice <laughs> yeah. having a baby uh, you're doing really well with your business. So for anyone watching who is maybe at rock bottom now or close to it or struggling, what would be your uh, biggest advice? Because, you know, you've gone out there and proven that it's possible that you can completely turn your life around.
1: That's that's a very good question.
0: I'm all right this podcast. Is yeah,
1: fun. I told you, just chill. Um It was funny because Alex was asking me like, what do you do and I was like oh just free flow and I was like that's not going to work for him but I think you can free flow answer the question I'm gonna answer the question Is what it goes coming through now okay so yeah um if you if someone's at rock bottom and they're just like at that horrendous place where you feel like you're lying on your back again staring at the universe thinking why me what's wrong with me which is what everyone asks firstly there's nothing wrong with you the system is literally set up to make us like some kind of collective psychosis we're hypnotized into quite frankly like robot versions of ourselves which is a different story and we're governed by people who are full of pain and have not done an ounce of self-work and yet you know, we expect to be happy and free and joyful. Well, actually, if you are at rock bottom, I congratulate you because at least at this point, even though it doesn't feel like it, you're reaching a moment of truth and you cannot ever recover or evolve in your consciousness unless you are in a space of truth. So rock bottom is actually one of the most powerful positions to be in because it means you actually ascended in your level of consciousness because you have decided I am no longer in a space of illusion. So you see where you are, but nothing's wrong with you. Really, in those moments of despair, you are actually moving forward. But it's important that you seek help from someone that you feel can help you and find the right therapy because... So many people go to therapy and yet don't get anything from it. And we call it in the integrative therapy space, the revolving door of therapy, because they go for six months a year, they do some CBT, they do, they try mindfulness, they try meditation, they might try um, NLP, they might try um, gestalt therapy, there's loads out there. But until you truly use an integrative approach which blends everything and find a therapist that is willing to treat you as an individual, not with like a specific framework, you will just keep revolving through. And so it's important you can find someone that's adaptive to you as a whole being and that will really help you. Um, I always advocate for the REACH approach is where I'm trained. Um, and they saved my life. And I've known many people that went there. Um, but there are probably others. But that's just who I advocate for. So that's my answer.
0: Superb. So you're obviously very passionate about it. I know you've had a lot of clients, uh, in particular this year. And I think this year has been a fantastic time for people to do a lot of inner mm. work. Uh, you know, we had obviously much more time during the lockdowns. Or we've had time to slow down. Uh, think about what we're doing with our lives and what's going on in our head and um, so yeah firstly I actually I'll ask um, what's the most rewarding thing about what you do what do you get out of it most coaching people and taking them from a very low place to potentially healing them
1: um my my favorite thing is people that come to me always seem to think that they're not fixable they've tried loads of things and nothing works and it's like no you just haven't truly got to the root of the issue and the thing is there's a lot of people out there and spiritual self-help people that can tell you and you can read books but it's not the same as experiencing within yourself oh that's what this actually is for me I think the biggest rewarding thing is when people realise that they aren't broken, it's just that they never found the right approach, like, and that they can actually, it's like when they reach that moment of empowerment and they realise, like, oh, they get that relapse is part of the growth and they suddenly realise after three months they might not have felt they changed much and then all of a sudden they look back three months and they were, like, starving themselves, for example, if they had eating issues, and now they're like eating three meals a day and not even really phased by the fact that they just need to eat, which is like someone who's crippled with self hate at the beginning. And then that doesn't feel like it. And just when they get passing comments, like often people will just say to them that they look really well. And so, like, people's family will often change and they literally are clearing the karma of like lines and lines of people. So I think the best thing is when they see the changes and they see that actually they create their own reality and it's literally in one week their relationship with their father can shift because of something they did which didn't even involve an interaction. So it, it teaches them like true alchemy from the inside out and I think that teaches them the power they do have over their reality. So I think that's what I love about it for them.
0: Wow, very powerful stuff. <laughs> so yeah if someone is watching and maybe they're thinking about uh doing some coaching what kind of client would you take on is it could it literally be anyone or do you is it specifically um people with eating disorders or people that have been abused that you that you deal with
1: um i really like to take on clients that think they can't be fixed <laughs> Um, I have this joke where I'm like, send me your most difficult client. So if you feel like no one is able to help you, then I, I might be your coach. Because like, I'm not blowing my own trumpets. It's just, I definitely will be able to help the people that feel they can't be helped. But yeah, ma- majority of people, anxiety, depression, Uh, disordered eating is one, but that can be on any spectrum. It's generally people that are traumatized, but it comes out in like overworking, OCD, deep anxiety. Um, Generally, those things like it's all to do with, it can be anything because I think generally, most things stem from the same places. I don't know if you agree, but when you really look at it, it always comes back to fear or shame or the need to feel like we belong, you know. It always comes back to these things. So I definitely wouldn't be able to coach, like, you know, someone that wants a coach who's, like, an army bully and is, like, like swearing and effing and blinding. I know some coaches do that and they're, like, very, ma- like, in their – um, so I don't want to say masculine, but, like, the yang energy – that isn't if that's what you want to be like beated at and you want a quick fix that's not what I'll do I'll do like very gentle but very deep so yeah if you want something that's different and it makes you feel really relaxed at the end of each session and doesn't annihilate you or make you feel anxious feels more like a a bath for your heart and I'll probably be your coach
0: thank you so you like a challenge and you say you specialize with working with women I just
1: get women. I mainly get women. I don't get
0: mm. men. Yeah. I don't know why. Cool, cool. Well, it's great. Uh, good to hear all about your coaching. And then, of course, you also do astrology. So before we met, the only astrology I knew was what was in the, the back of the newspaper, the little five lines about what's going to happen to Libra this week and all of that. And uh, to be to be honest, I just thought, it's a load of crap because right? the people that are into it have lost their head. And, or they're just, you know, it's a bit of fun. I thought, oh, I can see how it's a bit of fun. But I didn't think there's any uh, seriousness behind it. And then meeting you, I've learned a lot more. I still don't know a fat lot. would like to learn more. And I know it's much, much deeper than that. And uh, I've had a reading with yourself, which I got a lot out of. I've also had a reading with uh, a lady called Crassie, who does what's called sidereal astrology which was also very interesting. And it was interesting how they both said very similar things, which to me indicates that, you know, there is some truth behind it because they're looking at two completely different charts and way of looking at a chart. So for people like me who might be watching, uh, how would you explain astrology and how does it actually work? Like how are the planets influencing what happens to us right now?
1: Well, technically the planets aren't influencing us, mm. which is well, oh, it's it's a bit complicated. This is not complicated. But like I used to think it was a load of crap too. Mm. Although once when I was about 11 15 sorry, I read in my astrology. You will have an intriguing encounter with someone very sexy and exciting today. And then that day I met this pop star I really fancied. I thought you were gonna say me then. No, because I was fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> so no. Um but I did What was the pub star? <laughs> I'm not saying. It's right. embarrassing I was fifteen. On,
0: just tell us. It
1: was Dougie from McFly. <laughs> I'm off. <laughs> He's a beta, but whatever. Um anyway. So astrology, like your personal astrology is A moment, the moment that you were born, wherever the planets were, they it's like a snapshot of that moment, and that is literally reflecting your consciousness. Every planet is an archetype, so it's reflecting the inner archetypes. And as you know, whatever you're internally vibrating is what will then manifest for you, and this is why it's literal. And this is why you can make your astrology really good, or it can potentially be really difficult. Um, And those with difficult charts, obviously, like Ascend. Let me ask some questions.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I just want to jump in because of what you're saying. So you're saying there's an element of them affecting us, and there's also an element of free will within that.
1: Yes. So then you have, like, the planets in the sky as they move around now, I believe that they are reflecting us the same as we are affecting them. I don't, I don't think that you could say with the laws of nature that one is in charge of the other. I think it just is. And you can look at that because it's like an outer reflection, like divination, like tarot cards. So you, what did you ask again?
0: Uh, free will free um, will
1: so yes and no you could you could sit back and complain about your astrology and never do the internal work and this is why the deep inner work is important because that's the true stuff that shifts what manifestation of that planet you get or you can actually like obviously do the work so for example the planet pluto can either destroy and it's corruption, it's darkness, and it's really can be horrible for people. Or it's like real self-power and like control and self-sovereignty. That Pluto is the archetype of the phoenix, you know, which represents Scorpio. So hopefully that makes more sense. They have free will within a range, but like I looked at my chart and I was like, I think I'm going to have a baby next year. The only other manifestation of that could have been being celibate and going away to a cavern in the woods and writing loads of music. That would have been another manifestation of that. But obviously, I wasn't celibate. There's no cabin in the woods, so <laughs> here we are.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Very interesting. Um just to simple it down a bit more for simpleton, astrology simpletons like myself. Uh, most people just think, you know, you got your sun sign, so I'm a Libra, and that's it, and that's all you need to read into. Uh Obviously, being a year of realising, you know, you've got your, your moon sign, you have Mars as in the whatever house, and, and all the rest of it. Uh Could you just, like, explain simply to people what all, what all that's about?
1: I can. So this is like, I'm starting to do little free mini-astrology to- tutorials on my uh, podcast it's like the moon sign in 15 minutes so that's useful to look at but basically it's where all the planets are so you have a chart and the whole chart means something not just the sun in libra and this is why horoscopes that you read on the internet or in the paper actually load a tripe to be honest <laughs> um and it's very hard for an astrologer to make an accurate prediction of that um so in essence what you think you know about astrology and what most people have like made a judgment on astrology is like 0.0000001% of it. So it's actually very complex and in exact science and it's like geometry. It's like science meets art and it's the angles that you see in the chart. It's where they're placed. I call it a big pizza and there's different planets in different pizza slices. Um, it's it's way more complicated than people think.
0: So I know that you use like a, a package. So I'm guessing you install into the package or the the program. Sorry, it's a better word for it. Uh, their date of birth and time of birth, and that produces the chart. And then from that, you kind of analyze it.
1: Yes. Yeah, sorry, I nearly burped down the microphone because <laughs> like pregnancy makes you burp all the time, which is great. Uh, sorry.
0: Good thing to blame it on.
1: Uh I'm not blaming it. I used to have very good digestion until this baby. <laughs> um, well, and this thing where I forget everything. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's someone's birth time and then there's an interpretation that happens based on what they ask me because I could talk about someone's astrology chart for literally 10,000 hours. So when people book a reading, I always say like, What area do you want to know? And this is how you can learn astrology. You can just learn about one area, like my moon sign, and just learn about that. But I think that's one of the most helpful ones for evolving consciously. So that's kind of how it works.
0: So, yeah, it's not something you can just learn overnight. And I know you're doing a course of astrology uh, that explains to people in in depth about how it all works. Do you want to tell people a little bit? about that if they're if they're interested you never know they might want to sign
1: up yeah well astrology is like really powerful tool for anyone for themselves because if you're able to look at what is coming up it enables you to be more conscious of it um to be honest that's why i think it's helpful um but the astrology course it's it's i'm running like a it's called no bs astrology school because i think a lot of astrology is just rubbish and people don't realize it's a really cool tool to evolve so it's like a six-week beginner's course for people that just want to learn how they can read their chart their loved ones how they can actually like be more of them um, and discover more about them so it is really good fun um yeah
0: it's all good fun until you find out you're dying next week (laughs)
1: yeah well I was lying in bed the other morning I was I never talk about death in astrology because it's like to predict a death is a big one like I predicted some things about the you know like the election and I can predict for people but when it comes to like death it's a bit like you know (laughs) I don't really want to predict that stuff just just because it's it's you don't want to get that wrong do you know what I mean that so I don't I don't trust myself. But some I was reading about how you can predict it and I thought I would think about mine. And I was lying there in bed the other morning for about an hour. And Alex is just doing his thing, watching videos or whatever. And I, then I just turned to him and said, I think I'm gonna die when I'm 52, and I don't want to die that young. And he's like, Why? And I'm like, I think that's when I think that's when my astrology says I might die. And then I let it go because I was just like, I need to just forget about this, but yeah. So.
0: The moral of the story is don't, don't go looking for that bit. <laughs> it's a <Yeah. messy> <laughs> So, yeah, what I find really interesting is that I know a lot of astrologers, the majority of good astrologers predicted that this would be a crazy year. And there is absolutely no denying that that has been the case. Um, I don't think anyone can remember a year this mad, maybe if you're old enough, during the world war two you'd say that was a lot a lot crazier and i'm sure it was but um i don't suppose many of the viewers are that old um so what's in store for us next year from an astrological point of view are things going to calm down and um, yeah what do you see playing out
1: i mean i'll be honest i'm doing a webinar on this but i haven't actually looked that much um so <laughs> come to my webinar and you'll find out um I think next year is like the end of this year marks your head was marks the end of dynasties so whatever you make of that it's going to be big. I think it's going to be a year of rebuilding and whatever people want to think of that can be their own but i don't think it's going to be as straightforward as people think financially it's the same energy as the wall street crash exactly more or less that we're seeing we're seeing the same energy as the right uh, of the rise of world war Two, so i'm not saying that same thing will manifest because we've evolved since then and yet in some ways <laughs> the world feels very chaotic so we don't people are like thank you know, people you know in this in these posts and every year people are like oh 2019 is such a bad year bring on the new year well like every year people say that and they're going to be saying it more this year but this is a year of like hurry up and wait and I think to be honest I haven't looked at it in much depth but I think some of the systemic issues that people are seeing and the censorship is going to be even bigger. I know people would want to say, oh, the golden age is arriving next year. Well, no, like, it's going to get challenging before it gets easier. And yet it won't be as bad as this year, I don't think. But financially, I mean, it doesn't take an astrologer to tell you if it's going to be hard. But um, I would just... Be prepared for that and not make any big risky moves. That's really the mantra because we've got like two planets that are going to be doing for like the next two years some pretty hard angles, which I'll talk about it more in my um, webinar. But yeah, I would recommend people just sit back and have that because it'll be 12 months where it's going to feel like very different. It's like a year of revolution, I think. But. People I think have got in their head it's going to be like great and I think astrologers have neglected that it could be potentially difficult. So the answer is haven't looked enough to give you a, a summation. You have to come to my webinar.
0: <laughs> there you go. i have to sign up. How much are you going to charge me?
1: Mm, you have to cook me dinner.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's <laughs> going back to what you said about the end of every year was, oh, this year is the worst ever. Hopefully next year's best. You see that literally every year. You're right. Um, Good reminder about that. I think a lot of that is if you turn on the news, no matter what year it is, every day they will drill negativity and fear into people. That is what it's designed to do, basically. Uh, It sounds a bit conspiracy, but I believe that's because the population is much easier to control uh, when they're in, in fear and panic. But what you could do when they're doing all this, oh, this is going on, just turn off the TV, open the window outside, listen to the birds, and you'll just realise that it's not actually affecting you in any way. And, uh, yeah, the power is within yourself. So I think that is a, a big thing, especially this year, that people need to uh, reclaim their power and stop putting the responsibility on what's going on in the world or what's going on with someone else and actually take it yourself. self. So what do you think about that from a coaching perspective?
1: I think it's really easy when you're a vibrational match to fear, say that you've got trauma and a lot of people who've had trauma or any, I think any human being has feelings of powerlessness and disempowerment within them. So if you're someone who identifies as angry, or resentful, uh, then it's, and you have like anger if you don't move your anger. Often that is, you know, disempowerment at its roots. And I think it's very easy when we, we've got this like collective state, you're like we've just got this world stage where we have all these things that we can feel the sense of power over like politics and stuff. It's very easy to get swept up in the uh, collective psychosis of it all. And yet it's the most disempowering thing. So it's a bit like a self-fulfilling cycle. You know, you already feel disempowered within if you're aware of it or not consciously. So then you become a vibrational match to feeling more of that. So it's actually an invitation to say, where do I have power? Um, And actually to realize everything is a reflection of you, everything. So that may feel annoying, but it actually means the more you can evolve, the more each person can be responsible for themselves and their own involvement, the better the world will be. So if you feel disempowered or frustrated watching the news, and don't get me wrong, like we have days where we get pissed yeah. off by it because you're human. And yet you always have to remember, but it is all part of, it's a projection of us. So the more that we can See where we do have power, like you say, open the windows, listen to the birds. I often say, focus on simple things, like actually look, like at my partner,
0: walking in the woods.
1: <laughs> yeah, walking in the woods. There's no drama. Food, there. food is a great one to bring you into your body and be like, actually, right now in this moment, I have everything I need. And this isn't about ignoring the world stage. I think we have to participate man, you can go mad, can't you, as well, Mm -hmm. if you go down the rabbit hole. So it's finding the the balance. But, yeah, just my advice is not to watch most of mainstream TV unless it's Great British Bake Off or Henry VIII documentaries. Then it's fine. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, yeah, like like Cassie said, I do get caught up in it as well, so I'm not saying, you know, it doesn't affect me at all. But it's just important to yeah, remind yourself and it's important to kind of unattach yourself emotionally sometimes to what's going on because it, it isn't always affecting our day-to-day life. I think mean, that's what I was trying to, trying to say. So, yeah, let's go back to the baby. So, obviously, we've both done a lot of work and ourselves <laughs> in uh, in recent years.
1: Are you gonna explain
0: what it is? Yeah, so if it's a boy, we're gonna call him Leo. So Cassie's nan, isn't it? this lovely lion, because Leo means lion, which is why I like the name. It's gonna be a little little lion heart, hopefully, or <laughs> whatever he needs to be. So. Yeah, and obviously we're in this, this space, this is why we're on the podcast today. Uh, what does it mean to you to raise a child consciously?
1: Bloody hell. <laughs> You're happy with that one, aren't you? The jackpot. <laughs> He's finally shut me up. Uh, I think it means...
0: I can never shut you up.
1: <laughs> I think it means realizing that the child is like literally their own being and that it's not my I want to be responsible for keeping them safe and letting them explore themselves within safe boundaries I think it's about realizing when I'm getting in the way and putting my rubbish onto it like with you know if if it's hard to think of an example but you know as toddlers they're literally developmentally designed to push every button you have because that's their way of seeing that they're safe but it feels like for a lot of people that they're just saying no for no reason so they just the other day I was in the park and there's this boy and he had like one of those big toddler suits on and his nan was like it's this way and he's like no But he's smiling as he's saying it. So he's obviously just testing and trying to assert some authority. So the way out of this situation would have been quite obvious, like just, you know. Anyway, but conscious parenting would be like, okay, what what are they doing now? And, okay, well, developmentally, this is what they're designed to do. How can I be feeling but also maintain gentle leadership to help them but also, you know, show I'm in control. Not without without being like Hitler. But instead, she was like, oh, you're a vile child. I'm missing Gordon Ramsay's kitchen nightmares because of you. And I thought, fuck my life. I was like, literally, the kid was smiling. So she's showing that she can't, she's got no, she's got no call. And the kid picks up on that. So it's like, you need to maintain that sense of authority I know at that age, but for me, conscious parenting is like not getting emotional and like punishing them for things that they're development designed to do and just taking yourself out of it a bit and realizing they're their own human, not an extension of like my ego. I don't know. What's it mean to you?
0: Great answer. I'm asking the questions here. My part. <laughs> 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 oh, you've, uh, you've lost my line of thought now. So yeah. know what I was going to say so I know psychologically the core age is zero to seven the programming period because that is when the subconscious is largely developed and what happens within those first seven years uh, will largely play out for the rest of their life unless they do a lot of uh, deep psychological work to kind of reprogram that Uh, and also you produce what's called theta waves um, which you can also produce more of first thing in the morning and last thing at night. So it's a fantastic time to meditate because you can kind of um, reprogram yourself, essentially. So what do you think is the most important thing within those first seven years for the child? What kind of programs do they need? I know have talked about feeling safe and the rest of it. But, yeah,
1: anything else? I think what's important is that they become my slave and they cook and clean for me and uh, they – yeah, no, I'm joking. Um, I'm actually reading a book on this at the moment, uh, so I I wouldn't like to say, but my instinct, my instinct as a mother is – I know I've said – safety but really attention affirmation and appreciation to cultivate as least shame for them as possible I think that's important I don't honestly in the first not to seven years like if I can make sure I am really in that space of lovingly detached and just trying my absolute best to Not put all my crap onto them and exemplify, you know, those qualities that, you know, I think are virtuous at least, you know, then hopefully, hopefully I won't be too messed up. But that's hard to say because I'm actually reading parenting books as part of my psychotherapy and uh, I haven't got an answer for you yet. So I think attention, affirmation, appreciation, but there's probably a lot, a lot more. There, I don't
0: know. No, that's good. Great answer. And um, what question did you want to ask me? I'll let you ask me one if you want.
1: Something about uh, you asked me about being a mum, like
0: mm. what's important for me?
1: No, because I've asked you about being a dad. What was it about the
0: conscious parenting?
1: Conscious parenting.
0: Mm. So, a big thing for me is empowerment because I think we kind of project our own um, insecurities or lack of power onto a child, you know. People say stuff like who who are you to be anything, you've got to aim low or you've got to get a safe job or all this. Mm-hmm. I wanna kind of make sure it's empowered to believe wholeheartedly that he can be and do whatever he wants and follow. His or her dreams. That's a, that's a major, a major thing for me personally. Is that a good answer? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I want to do that too. <laughs> to put, put to fill them with their, to honor their spirit and their individual essence, and that way they will be part of the tapestry of the universe. <laughs> but you know, they could just want to like. It might not be anything, like, as long as they're happy and, you know, I mean, happy in the true sense of the word, not like I'm eating donuts and playing Xbox, like, forever. That probably isn't their definition of true happiness, unless they're, like, Taurus everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I meant by the self-empowerment thing. I think that is a huge part of... Our happiness you know when yeah. we believe in ourselves, and we believe in the universe and we believe that life can be amazing and abundant and it's more likely to be those things and we're more likely to be happy uh, so that's what i was kind of kind of getting at i like that <laughs> she likes that that's good so yeah exciting times hopefully we can do a good job obviously a little bit nervous as well. Well I know I am. Would you say you're a little bit nervous about it?
1: Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm mainly nervous about uh like the way my life is gonna change and not having enough energy and I get nervous that I'll get tired and then I won't bring my best self to the child. But I am gonna make mistakes and I need to just accept that I will make mistakes because like I'm a flawed human. See, so, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm calm. I don't know why. I just think it feels like a just a rite of passage. But it is strange, like, as my body changes and I move from, like, being a, you know, the archetype of, like, a young woman to, like, the mother. That's really strange. And that's more like a head fuck than the idea of a child almost because my whole identity feels like it's shifting and yet it's not because I'll still be the same person at my core. I don't know if you feel that when you're like, you're going from like a bachelor to like a DILF.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I take the DILF compliment. Hilarious. Um, Yeah, definitely. It's already been a big transition for me because before I met Cassie, I was... I did have a couple of short-term relationships, but I was more or less single for nearly 10 years. So I've already had that kind of leap of going from being a single bachelor into a really uh, committed relationship in the last year, and then now jumping straight into having a child as well. So it's kind of a, a double whammy. But I feel like we yeah, have matured a lot over the last couple of years, and I feel ready for, for both. So no, I'm very, very happy. Delf. Delf. Um, cool. There you go. Enlightenment for today. Delf, Delf. <laughs> so is there anything else you want to talk about today before we head towards wrapping it up?
1: I don't think so.
0: Okay, so it's something that I've uh, started doing on the pod now to finish things off It's always a bit of fun So if you had dinner tonight and you could have any three guests from the past or the present Anyone you like, who would you have off the top of your head?
1: Wait, do they have to all be in the same room together? Because that ain't going to work
0: they're all going to be in the same room together. So it's up to you if you think, you know, some personalities could clash and you think it could be trouble. Maybe you are got to think about that or maybe you don't care.
1: Can I have four? Go on then. They will clash. But I would have my mum.
0: And why for each one?
1: Well, because, like, I would love to sit with her and be able to tell her everything that's happened and hear like what she has to say about everything and I would want her to meet you so the first one would be my mum the second one would be um would probably be your dad because I would want to meet him and then he could hang out with my mum and everyone would because like we all have dinner together so it will be like a family reunion for a night and see what he has to say, um, and then this third and fourth. First one would be Tail Swan because she's just extremely important. Oh, I've got so many more Teal Swan. That's
0: right. The next, so follow one, your good. Why Tail Swan?
1: Because she's just amazing. She's like heavily influenced me. Um, oh, in what way?
0: How has she influenced you?
1: Well, with her method and her approach, she's like, in my opinion, one of the most straight-talking spiritual people out there that doesn't mess about. You know, we don't agree with absolutely everything, but had it not been for her methods, I definitely wouldn't be as good a coach.
0: So you say she doesn't mess about. Do you feel like a lot of people within the spiritual development space a bit fluffy and then actually get into the root of things and what's important uh, is that what you mean i know she does a lot of shadow work by the way everyone give teal a follow watch my videos if uh, it interests you because i think she's amazing as well
1: um well pretty much she's aligns really closely with reach um in that she'll integrate anything if she sees it gets to the root cause like For me, I literally use most of her work because it aligns so closely with the work I'm learning with Reach. Um, So the reason I think she's so powerful is a lot of spiritual teachers, in my opinion, don't, they haven't had the life experience to truly hold the reality of those who are truly traumatized, like in a deep way. The reason that... Or I can hold space in that way is because we've felt and been in those situations. And I think a lot of spiritual teachers can't help people because they cannot, they're not comfortable with or can't accept that reality in people, or they just want to give some new agey explanation rather than actually see that all the person needs is space.
0: What do you mean by new agey? I <laughs> mean on like
1: you? love and light. Love and light, it's all fine
0: or so we'll yeah, just slap
1: some Reiki on it and say it's the same as like four years of therapy. That's not true. And I can categorically say it's not. Um, it will end up with the person relapsing because it's not teaching them their own. Like it's like a lot Put, of spiritual... Putting a plaster on Putting a plaster <laughs> on it. It's like telling people... I think Teal Swan teaches how to get to the root of your issues. Whereas a lot of spiritual teachers often don't. But it's like they often generalise and they don't understand that... They're trying to eliminate darkness and actually darkness is a gift and it will always be there because that's the universe we live in.
0: So do you think that... Talking about the, the love and light brigade, whatever you want to call it, uh, do you think that darkness lives within us or to some degree?
1: Yeah. I think even calling it darkness is like... Uh, a bit naive. Like, if you look at the works of Rudolf Steiner, he talks about Ariman, which is known now as satanic, luciferic, and Christ consciousness. They are in every being because, like, and, and to me, it's like we have to honor that they actually have uses. They're not pointless, you know. People say Satan's terrible. Well, actually, like there's a lot of useful things he did for humanity. With would we still be walking around wiping our asses on rocks and licking tree stumps or something, do you know. So, and like Luciferic, the same. So, so I think I think this obsession with light is is naive, to be honest. So we all have darkness. Um, it's how do you channel that and use it? Like, I don't know. So. And the other person I would have for dinner, I'd have two people, I would have Paul Jack, because I love him to bits, and Easton Hamilton, who is the founder of Reach Approach, who is possibly, he is, in fact, the greatest human I've ever met. I've never met a human like him in my life. And his book, Synergy, A Cure for All Ills, is one of the best books ever written. He's like, he's like an angel. I actually think sometimes he's an angel
0: wasn't he the creator of reach approach
1: yeah he's the founder Founder. Mm -hmm. but he's like who i met when i went for like my interview and oh he's he's amazing i really hope you meet him one day (laughs) he's just amazing
0: cool i love that you've picked my dad and your mom rather than just going for celebs didn't see that coming very cute (laughs) nice choices uh, see, so yeah, Teal Swan, like I said, everyone check her out. We've got Eastern, what's his surname?
1: Hamilton.
0: Eastern Hamilton, so check him out. Well, check out the reach approach. Um, you've obviously cheated because you went to have three and you've had five, but <laughs> they were good picks, so fair enough. Uh, the approach. last, yeah, I'm getting to that. And the last one was my fellow ball brother, poor check, who I've uh, got into over the last year. Very, very evolved guy. Love him to bits, looks at all kind of aspects of the mind, body, spirit to create the whole human. So can you tell us a bit about Paul check And why you Can I mean, we
1: have David Ike too? No. Nah,
0: because we didn't get time, you had five. Yeah, no, but we allow David
1: Ike. Paul check is is in my body. I can be on the, the reserves. Ike's gonna be there at dinner. he doesn't need justification. <laughs> paul jack paul jack is one of the greatest health and holistic health minds there is in my in my opinion and like he's in his 60s and he's freaking tanked he was like single leg lunging something like a 400 pound barbell like the the man is insane but he's just got a beautiful spiritual knowledge um I don't agree with everything he says, um, but in my opinion, he follows, like, the principles of reach a lot. You know, there's there's a real shamanic undertone to reach and to what Paul Check does, and really, you know, uh, most of the people I would have at dinner, probably apart from my mum and your dad. I'm sure they're not, like, shamanic. <laughs> Who knows?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think what's telling with Paul Check is, you know, mainstream science big farm I'm not saying there's not a place for that but seem to kind of treat everything with medicine and pills he's kind of doing the opposite of that and it's telling the fact that he's literally beaming with health his skin is glowing he's ripped and he's like 60 years of, of age uh, which tells me a lot when people's someone's giving me advice I'm looking if they give me financial advice I want to know are you are you minted if you give me health advice I want to know are you healthy to me that's a massive thing like practice what you preach kind of thing
1: um i agree and you would say that this true story of health like as you learn in reach is really environment body spirit and mind which paul check aligns to he has his own words for it but like if you were to see eastern hamilton tanked absolutely glowing and there's just it's like mind-blowing so i do think at some point people don't have to speak it's just a beingness and that's like a lot of people a lot of clients i don't show up and be all bombastic although i'm still got a long way to go they often say like i'm just very calm and they feel safe with me because i'm not trying to like be anything whereas i used to continuously try and be something so anyway i don't know what to talk about now
0: thank you so just to finish off um do you have anything that you want to sell or promote just before we sign off today
1: (laughs) not really just people i mean if people want to follow me and find free uh, blogs and free astrology info free self-help stuff um my website cassieaurora.com has loads My podcast, Modern Goddess, has loads of free content and some really great interviews. Alex, you've been on there twice, I think, now. Um, But I've got, like, Christina Rice on there, Sean Miner, Meg Dahl. Uh, I'll get Tillswann on there one day. Um, So I had some really great guests on there. Um, But if you do anything, I think the Astrology of 2021 webinar would be a really good shout because it's going to be a big year. And I think no matter who you are, you'll want to get um, a foot ahead. Is that what it is? A head start. not know what a foot ahead is. I, so, think, that's
0: a, I think that's a phrase as
1: well. Mm. Isn't I it is now. It is now. So thanks for having me on. It was an honour. <laughs> it was very awkward.
0: You found it awkward? Why?
1: Because I didn't know where to look.
0: I quite like this setup. So, yeah, I'm going to drop a load of links down below. All of Cassie's stuff, link to a website, link to a podcast. Check it all out. Fantastic. Especially for you ladies. A lot of it's aimed at ladies, especially the podcast, Modern Goddess. If you've enjoyed today, give us a like, subscribe to my channel. I'm going to be pumping out these videos a couple of times a week, hopefully. Uh, They just started podcasting. Absolutely loving it. Loving finding... Uh, more about these wonderful guests. And thank you again to Cassie. Really enjoyed having you on. It's been nice to, uh, yeah, have my, have my missus on. The better half.
1: Not you as a half either. Why? Because a whole plus a whole equals two. Whereas half and a half means we're half of each other. As in, we're like half a person. I'd rather have a whole person on either side
0: okay that's enough <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for listening peace out and big love to you all thank you very much